a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, we're watching very closely the Supreme Court's new term. There's one case that they've agreed to hear that uh, has us very interested in terms of Section 230. And whenever we talk about 230, there's one inside source above all other inside sources. It's Shoshana Weissman, who's a digital director and a fellow at the R Street Institute, where she focuses on social media regulatory policy, Section 230, and other issues. Shoshana, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to talk to you again. Uh, it's great to have you back on. And let's uh, let's just kind of back this up just a little bit uh, for some of our listeners. Uh, let's start with what is Section 230? Why does it matter? Thank you. Yeah, Section 230 is the rare law that I actually think was done really well. Long story short, um, it basically says that platforms aren't rely- aren't liable for user content unless they contribute to that content. So let's say you have a blog and someone posts libel in the comments. You don't know it's libel. You might not even see the comments, but you're not liable, but the person who posted it is liable. Let's say Mark Zuckerberg goes on Twitter and says something illegal, posts some illegal content. He's liable, not Twitter. And that's just how it should be. The speaker of each thing should be liable and not the place where he posted it. Um, and it's really important because let's say, you know, let's say they were liable for that content um, before Section 230. If you didn't moderate at all, you didn't try to remove terrorist content or other illegal or dangerous or bad, really racist content, you could touch nothing and be liable for nothing in the courts. That's how the courts understood how, you know, how it should all apply. But if you did moderate, you try to keep your site family friendly um, and you miss something, even one thing, you would be liable for that one thing. That was actually the court case that uh, that inspired the bill's authors to create the law, not joking, um, the Wolf of Wall Street sued a platform for a piece of content on the platform. It sounds fake. It's totally real. Uh, the platform was called Prodigy. And because of all these really bad incentives, they created Section 230, and now it, it solved the problem. It doesn't mean everyone's happy, and it doesn't mean everyone likes the law, <laughs> but that's how it works. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And so uh, so the Supreme Court on Monday agreed to, to hear the case. Um, that uh, that kind of threatens what you just described, the tech companies brought immunity to lawsuits over content hosted uh, on their platform. So what do we know about this specific case and what should we be watching for uh, when this actually does uh, come before the court? Yeah, so it's really interesting. There have been a lot of Section 230 cases because people don't, they say they don't like Section 230, what they really don't like is the First Amendment, because they're like, oh man, this guy posted this content, and I'm like, okay, well, that's a First Amendment issue, <laughs> that's not a Section 230 issue. Um, so uh, a lot of people don't, un- unfortunately, like what other people say online, and then want to get rid of laws that make it easier for people to speak online. So you have these lawsuits all over the country, and the, the court decided to pick up two. Um, they're very bizarre cases, both dealing with terrorism uh, and in each case, they kind of want to get the court to say that um, that if, if a terrorist has a social media account, 
that uh, that he that the, um, the the social media platform is somehow liable for his other actions and for promoting any of his content if their algorithms do. It's it's very kind of bizarre and it's strange too that it, both cases happen to involve uh, cases of terrorism. But um, what a lot of people aren't sure of is what the court's going to say because you kind of know how Supreme Court justices think on different issues. Um, but uh, but on this one, there's only a couple of inklings you have like. Justice Thomas doesn't seem to be the biggest fan of Section 230. He, he wrote like this really big uh, concur. Uh, sorry, I think it was like a dissent from uh, denial of cert. Basically, they didn't take up the case and he kind of wished they did. And he wrote this long thing. So you don't know what way the justices are going to go. And it's going to be an interesting time and probably a stressful time for a lot of law nerds. Yeah, for sure. And uh, in fact, there was... Uh... Uh, some very interesting Twitter chatter around uh, all of this, of course, on a platform uh, where uh, speech happens. Uh, there was one by uh, by Jim Cowie who who uh, was talking about these different decisions. Uh, and just the way he framed it was, what I learned is that publishers should be punished for amplifying extremist content and also for hiding extremist content and potentially for taking no action at all with regard to extremist content. Uh, and in some ways, it sounds like that's where uh, we're either headed or where we actually are in terms of the confusion rather than clarity uh, in terms of what who's responsible for what and how that needs to be applied. Oh, so much. I mean, you'll have sometimes the very same people saying, how dare you take down this piece of content, this piece of content? I liked it and they should have the right to say it. Why didn't you take this other piece of content down? You know, this this, this was bad against me. You hear this so much, um, often the same side, conflicting views. And it, you kind of realize it's going, it's not about Section 230. It's about speech people do or don't like. Um, you know, uh, the left, not, not, Totally. But the left tends to want to take down more content. The right doesn't want to take down as much content. Um, and sometimes it breaks rules that like from the platform that really aren't, you know, it doesn't have really big implications, but they might have rules against spam sometimes or um, or other things that are kind of innocuous. But if you break the rules, the platform will take down the content or hide it or remove it. So, you know, they can take different levels of action. But um, if you've ever been on like a social media site or email and they won't let you send your email or edit your thing, then um, then you get kind of mad. And it's lots and lots of people getting mad about various rules, not to say all the rules are good. Some of them I think are dumb, but they're allowed to have the rules. But uh, when uh, when elected officials don't like the rules that companies set up, they, they now have decided that it's their job to go in and fix the things the companies do. Um, or else, and they have to do it exactly perfectly. And if they do it the way the other side wants, then they're out, and uh, the other side's saying the same thing. So it's this whole really bad mess right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of it uh, lands in this space of of intolerant tolerance. <laughs> we're we're all tolerant of those yeah. that agree with us, but uh, you know, cross that line, and and suddenly uh, you're not good. We're actually going to talk later in our program today about uh, something that has just rolled out a, a pilot program here in the state of Utah on the Dignity Index. Uh, which is really how we talk about a lot of these things as opposed to what we talk about. Uh, and, and that's going to be a fascinating one. And it will be interesting to see how that would ultimately play in with some of these conversations around uh, Section 230. Uh, Shoshana, as, as uh, you look towards these cases, are there any other items or any other arguments that you're kind of watching or things that you might be listening for from the court uh, when this actually uh, appears before the court? Yeah, I'm, so there, it can go any way, and I think it's it's a really interesting moment. It's a stressful moment for people like me who tend to like Section 230, but it is a really interesting moment for law because they can decide, you know, they can interpret Section 230 normally, kind of 
keep it in line. They can decide to interpret it broadly, which can actually anger people. It sounds like something I like, but I like it in its lines. And if they interpret it too broadly, then people aren't responsible for their own behavior, and that could be a problem. Or they interpret it too narrowly, and then Section 230 doesn't apply to everything that it legally is supposed to apply to. Um, you know, they could not touch it. They could say somehow it's unconstitutional, which I doubt would happen. But there's so many different directions this could go in that it's and with uh, so little knowledge of how most of the justices are thinking about this, um, especially because most of them haven't touched anything around it. It's just going to be so hard to know what way this is going to come out. I'm sure during oral arguments, it's not a perfect predictor, but you can kind of get a sense for what they're wondering and how they're thinking. Um, we'll probably get some indication, but this is a real big unknown. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, such a great perspective. And that's that's what I'm going to be watching and listening for are the questions. What kind of questions do the justices ask those that are presenting the case? Uh, because I think that will give us some real indicators in terms of where their thinking might be or what they're trying to, to clarify. And so often it's not to what is said, it's what is asked uh, that is something that we have to kind of look beyond the, the headlines for. Uh, Shoshana Weissman, digital director and a fellow at the R Street Institute. She is our guru on all things Section 230, social media regulatory policy. Uh, Shoshana, thank you so much for uh, for joining us on a Friday. Thank you for having me. All right. Again, that's uh, Shoshana Weissman. She's a digital director at R Street, and she knows the, the, this uh Section 230 uh, better than anybody I know on the planet. And, and it's an important one to, to look at how this relates to tech companies, uh, what their responsibilities are, uh, free speech, where does that land? And above all, what's our responsibility as individuals as we post things online? What are we responsible for? And how should we be approaching that? And we're going to dig into that much more uh, as we get into hour number two. The Dignity Index uh, scores are going to roll out for the first time today. Coming up at 220, we'll have that conversation with Jason Perry and Jesse Graham from the University of Utah. So stick around for that as well. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we'll be joined by a conversation with President Camille Johnson, President of the General Release Society of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and President Susan Porter of the Primary Organization. Talk about their global ministry tour, uh, trip to South America, and much more. Stick around on KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.